Welcome everyone to this special presentation of the Orpheus Protocol on the RPG Academy Network for promotional purposes. We are on Kickstarter right now. If you like anything that you hear today or in a subsequent episode of this little series of ours, the book is currently in the process of coming together and being made with your support. So go on over to kickstarter.com and check out the Orpheus Protocol there and you are very much appreciated in this effort. I'm Rob, the GM, creator, editor, producer. I'm the guy uh, for Orpheus Protocol. Too much of my life is Orpheus, and I am going to inflict that on all of you now. Before I submerge forcefully these three fine gentlemen in a sea of madness and horror, I would like for them to briefly introduce themselves, plug any things that they have going on, and tell us a little bit about their Orpheus operatives and how they came to be in the position of taking orders from a mysterious private military corporation that dabbles in the occult. Alrighty, my name is Quinn Wilson. My pronouns are he and they. I ran the Swallows of the South podcast on the RPG Academy Network. And if you liked that show or have never listened to it, I recommend that A, you check it out, and B, that you follow me on Twitter at MonkeyPieQuinn, that's M-O-N-K-I-P-I-Q-U-I-N-N, for information on our follow-up show, which, as this is airing, might be in its first couple episodes uh, on the air. You can also find me talking about tabletop role-playing theory as it relates to long-form narrative structures with one Rob Stith on the Campfire hey. podcast. And I also have another podcast with Rob Stith where we talk about the television show Riverdale called River Do's and River Don'ts, which is also co-hosted by the inimitable Cat Cool. Also, uh, just a clarification, the Campfire podcast is available for free on the Orpheus Protocol Patreon page. Patreon.com slash Orpheus Protocol. Uh, that one doesn't cost money. You don't have to be a backer to listen to it. And my Orpheus operative is named Delson Carmichael. Their pronouns are they, them. They are an ex-confidence man from Queenstown, New Zealand. They basically wound up on a grift. They have this magnetic personality they've discovered over time. They've got people skills like no one else they've ever met. Uh, I'm playing someone of the pathokinetic archetype. And Delson wound up running a grift so big, causing so many waves with their preternatural charisma that eventually they drew the eye of Orpheus. And when a paramilitary company that makes a habit of either collecting or vanquishing supernatural beings and threats finds you using your powers to exploit other people, <laughs> chances are you're offered a pretty simple choice. A body bag or a semi-optional place within the company. And Delson, not wanting to die, accepted that position, trucked off to the U.S., and found that there was a degree of purpose in their life that they felt that they had been missing, that they found in the structure and organization of Orpheus. Even as the company sometimes asks that they do perhaps unspeakable things. Very, very good. Uh, who is next to offer up both themselves and their character? Hello. My name is Matthew Perotti from the RPG Academy. Pronouns he, his. Uh, I can be found on the RPG Academy sometimes. I could be sometimes found on Zero's Talking Heroes, a comics movie uh, podcast. And if not, and you're in the uh, New York area and you want to come see an improv show, Friday Night Face Off down in Port Jefferson, New York. My character is Christian Heinrich Agrippa. He is a German expat who got a hold of Opa's old documents from when he was involved in a little thing called the Thule Society and took a shine to them, but didn't want to follow the same path that Grandpa did. So he started poking the right buttons and see, being seen by the right people, and Orpheus came knocking, and he gladly jumped on board and became a company man. As dark and uh, perhaps morally ambiguous Orpheus will sometimes get... They are certainly no Thule society on the spectrum of 
morally despicable groups of people. Yeah, this is why I come here to work. And yes, yeah, so you were, of course, welcomed with very open arms for the things that you are able to do. Relatively rare uh, in this world. A note, Orpheus does employ operatives that have preternatural abilities, but actually most of their employees do not. That is sort of a, you're you're probably on an inside track for higher ranks and more dangerous uh, assignments if you do display that kind of power. Gotcha. And Chris, how about you? Last but not least. Oh, I'm Chris Berlue. Uh You can find me as the Game Master of the Redemption podcast. It's a Star Wars actual play. You can also hear me as a player on the Tales of Blood and Stone, which is a Shadow of the Demon Lord actual play. Uh, that one's a pretty interesting one. I actually get to play a character I've never gotten a chance to play, a real evil bastard. <laughs> it's quite interesting. Uh, today, though, I'm going to be playing Gerard Newstone. Uh, Gerard... Kind of a younger guy, was real gung-ho, joined the army straight out of high school. Shortly after he joined, he saw something in a training mission that kind of shattered his psyche for a little while. He couldn't explain it and was obsessed with it. They washed him out of the military, and he was very obsessed with finding the truth. This led him to asking a ton of questions and led him to Orpheus saying, Hey, join us or stop asking questions. And when they say stop asking questions, they mean any questions at all. <laughs> he actually kind of liked that mentality and joined Orpheus, jumped right in, and is seeking the truth. Yes, it's very much like the experience that you hoped to have in the military, except this group acknowledges in their worldview these impossible things that you were ostracized for believing in. For believing your own eyes, you were sort of cast out and uh, put under suspicion. And here, that open-mindedness is considered a requirement for the job. Uh, so it's certainly a good fit. And he loves it. So, the three of you have probably done a few training exercises together as a cell, as an operative cell for Orpheus. You've never seen legitimate supernatural lethal threat in the field you have been in firefights there have been times that certain texts or certain personal effects from important people in the occult community ended up being stolen or being attempted to be sold on the black market and there ended up being some clashes with gangs and organized crime over a few missions. Those have been kind of the hottest and most uh, dangerous assignments that the three of you have been on so far. But currently, the three of you are stationed at a very low-key, very low-staff black site on the industrial side of Indianapolis, Indiana. So I guess going to Gen Con is pretty easy. But uh, by the way, the year is 2017, and we are in the fall of 2017, perhaps September or October. So this place that you're at is like some sort of, you know, industrial machining operation that has been gutted and restructured into barracks and mess and given internet access and things like that and a auto pool and you all three are essentially expected to be reachable from there to check in each night and generally sleep there it's not a complete requirement but you're supposed to check in at least once a day to this little place and be ready at a moment's notice to drop everything and go off on assignment and so we are going to pick up with you at the time that that call actually comes in so what are each of you doing on a relatively boring uneventful day when suddenly your orpheus communicators go off on a priority frequency but gerard is doing the opposite of what chris does and he is working out extensively lots of nice. push-ups sit-ups keeping himself in tip-top shape and another benefit of working in orpheus is that they recognize your commitment to fitness and instead of just giving you the same rations as everyone else like when you essentially when you chart that you've been working out super hard like they give you all kinds of like extra super well-balanced nutrition to heal faster and get stronger and like you're certainly in the best shape you've ever been with their help 
maybe a little something extra here and there too in your food. Who who's to say? Little supplements never hurt. <laughs> what about Christian? What's what's he up to on a on a normal day? Because you didn't know that this call was coming. You knew it was coming sometime, but it was anyone's guess as to when. Christian is a is a tinkerer at at heart. I think you know he he's he's a smart kid, but he never finished or did anything in university so he's probably just i, w- I want to say the word playing but it's more like you know it documented playing so it's it's science you know testing uh, abilities his abilities what he can do and and can't do all within the the confines of this secure facility so either in, in some sort of lab or okay. you know and he's making notes and also he's comparing it to the diary from his opa that he has on him as like a, a counterpoint, like to mm-hmm. be like, oh, I can do this now, and you know, in 1942, this is what was going on over here. So interestingly, you're taking these impossible eldritch abilities and trying to create a methodology for understanding them at a deeper level. You're essentially trying to turn magic into science. Yes. Over the course of probably probably years of work, but you are improving every day. Uh, I like it. And how about Delson? What's Delson up to? I imagine if anyone's climbing the walls in this situation, it's probably them. Yeah, definitely. So they are basically, they alternate what they're doing. They, they're they a little bit of a restless soul. And today they've decided to uh, sort of stretch their legs and they are participating in one of the many meetup groups that they like scan about and look into. Basically just a, a bunch of people who have met up to hang out and drink at a, a local park and sort of sh- sort of shoot the shit. So you're in the midst of just some sort of casual conversation and no doubt kind of taking stock of the mannerisms and preferences of the various people to see what sort of influences can be exerted here and there, uh, as I imagine you are no doubt want to do, mm-hmm. when you feel three sharp buzzes of the communicator against your hip in your pocket, and you know that this is not simply a check-in message, this is orders being sent to you. While I imagine it's quite easy for Christian and Gerard to drop whatever they are doing and take a look, uh, what do you do, Delson, being in the midst of the people on this brisk October afternoon? I reach into my pocket and I pull out, like, my standard cell phone, and I, I pop open the screen and I look at it and sort of pop my eyes uh, with surprise, and I say, oh, okay, hey, um, Charlie, it's been really nice meeting you, but it turns out my brother-in-law, he, he was set to have surgery today. And it looks like there's been some complications. Oh, so that's my... that's no good, man. Is there uh, is there anything I can do? No, no. I'm just gonna have to cut out a bit early, and I'm gonna have to head across town just to just to be with my my wife and oh, her brother. Oh man, yeah, yeah. Of course, family first, yeah. dude. But you know, uh, if you need just to blow off some steam or whatever, we're gonna be same place, same time next week. Best yeah, of luck with man. that. That's uh, oof, that's cancer's rough. no joke. So I might need it. Anyway, it's been it's been great. Just don't worry about me. Various bye. people sort of bye. Like uh, hope bye. things are okay. Bye everybody. Bye bye. And I duck away. There is on the communicator a order to within the half hour, if possible, be at the base to do a secure voice communication with your handler and receive the details of an important mission. Perfect. So. Delson jumps into their mid-tier sedan and drives back to base. Traffic can be bad, but fortune smiles on you and you've got like a minute or two. So you're going to have to hustle a little bit, but you're all right to be in the briefing room when the time comes. So Gerard Christian Delson uh, comes in maybe a tad bit winded, but they are in time for the call. Hello. Before you running? Uh, just, just a little bit. Traffic got me a little bit on my way here, so... But I'm here, and that's what counts. There's no ring. There's just, on the little PA device, a little blue light that blinks for you to pick up. As soon as it blinks, Gerard hits the button. Sir, yes, sir. Hello, operatives. This is Pythia. I do now have the details of your orders. This is actually a scientific operation, 
So for their areas of expertise, please defer to Delson in matters of laboratory science and to Christian in terms of eldritch pursuits. We don't believe that there will be active opposition, but we have been wrong before, and a stitch in time. You understand. Yeah. The three of you are to drive using one of the company automobiles to coordinates that will be sent to your personal communicators. You'll note that the location is a bit of a tourist destination out in the country, uh, known as a gravity hill. A phenomenon, really an optical illusion in most instances, where it feels as though an automobile will roll uphill if put in neutral due to the surrounding terrain. Of course, we keep track of these things because sometimes an optical illusion is not what they are, and unfortunately, this is one of those. There was a partially declassified operation that took place all the way back in 1969 in the vicinity of this hill at a private estate far out in the woods. I have sent the information that you are cleared for. You are to read this during your journey. What we need to do is take scientific readings on any pertinent phenomena taking place in the region and report on it immediately. We are in the process of shutting down this area. We have maintained a research facility there for quite some time, and it has been determined by people higher up the chain than myself that it is time to move on from this project, and leaving any trace of our operation behind is of course unconscionable. So, the operation is thus. Travel to the Gravity Hill and take pertinent scientific and occult readings. Report them to us. You will then have to walk to the research facility, because we have over time seen to the relocation of residents and closure of roads in that area of wilderness to prevent any unwitting people from going somewhere that would not be safe for them and would cause a mess for us to clean up. You are to secure and investigate the facility, because it has not been used in some time, and there is reason to believe that the situation on the grounds may have progressed since the last report. After the facility is secured and you have set up a defensible position there to operate from, you are to similarly secure and investigate a site nearby. It was a residence, a very large mansion, that has subsequently been burned at least twice. It should be nothing more than a ruin, but there are pertinent readings to take there as well to close the book so to speak, on some previous operations that involved the site. Once you have reported all your data to us, you will be told if there is anything that needs to be brought back to headquarters. If not, everything else is to be destroyed, not a trace of our involvement. You're not supposed to take it down brick by brick, but the fact that it was Orpheus should not be divinable from what you leave behind, and you will be supplied with adequate equipment to pursue this end. There is also an outside chance that you may make contact with an extraspatial entity while operating in that area. We have not heard from it in some time, but we do have confirmation of its existence and its interest in classified factors associated with this area. If you do make contact, document it. Record as much as you can. Stream to us, if possible or bring back whatever information you can. And if the entity displays any kind of hostility, you are authorized to engage with it, but this is not recommended. Candidly, I think it is quite unlikely that this entity will make its presence known. It has been on the move lately, and would appear to be far from this area. But, assuming that we understand exactly how things like this move, or how they think, is folly. So you are forewarned on this matter. Do any of you have any questions? Uh, yeah. Will, uh, will we be having body cams or some sort of uh, device to in which to record our findings? Or is this uh, something for us, our communicators we will be using? Body cameras will be provided, as well as full hazmat gear, should it prove necessary. You will be using your discretion in this case, but it will be provided to you in case you need to interact with anything that you feel necessitates its use. Yeah, yeah. 
Understood. When do we leave? As soon as possible. However, it is not recommended that you press past the gravity hill at night. The woods there, aside from any extra normal factors, are difficult to navigate and slightly hazardous. Understood. So I would recommend either roughing it or securing lodging in the location. This is up to you. Your expenses will be provided for. Yeah. I look forward to your reports. And she hangs up. Well, I don't mind the camping if uh, we want to do that, but um, I wouldn't mind like a hotel. That is uh, more my style. I don't like uh, crumpled clothes and things like that. Hotel is easier to defend. All right. I honestly wouldn't mind spending an evening out in the wilderness. It sounds kind of pleasant, but also this isn't pleasure. It's business. So if we think that a hotel is going to be the better option, I say we go for a hotel. So the three of you requisition the equipment and supply that has been deemed necessary for the mission and load it into probably a rather large van, some gas-guzzling behemoth that you can fit all the scientific instruments and things that you need in there and still have room for your own supplies. You, uh, Because there is a possibility of biological threat in the area, that was something that the uh, documents that you were sent about what happened there before mentioned, you do have... You know, bottled purified water, canned food, MREs, blah, blah, blah. Like, you you are not going to have to interact biologically with anything in the area if you do not want to. Um, and it's recommended that you don't. In terms of the declassified material, there was a very wealthy and eccentric special effects artist who retired to a large estate in this woodland area in the 60s who became involved in a sort of new age mystery cult religion and they certainly got into something more than just kumbaya and feeling good about yourself because there was in fact a full-scale infiltration operation carried out by orpheus that ended in the destruction of the site Now, exactly what they did and what they got into is above your pay grade, but it is recommended that biological precautions be taken in the area in case the cleanup operations thus far have been not fully successful. And the fact that you are sort of checking on whatever remains of a research operation that was set up there subsequently certainly suggests to you that whatever phenomenon was there was ongoing. And we'll have uh, a way of taking these readings for something kind of like uh, magic geiger counters or whatever you have both stuff to help you determine what's going on in an eldritch sense and also conventional scientific equipment as well because they are interested in both so the three of you pile into this enormous van and take the long and very boring cornfield flanked roads down into the more hilly and wooded section of the state way out in the country and you eventually find a very very small town in which to lodge for the night i don't know if delson feels compelled to try to get a better rate on the room but i'm sure that they wouldn't have trouble yeah i'm gonna say probably not actually they're working There's a temptation, but one of their present endeavors with the company is to not knee-jerk jump to using those skills. And additionally, it's only so far that you could cut down the price of this rat box anyway. It's super, super cheap. Yeah. The night passes without any significant event, depending on how vigilant the three of you are. Maybe you sleep in shifts, maybe you don't, but you are not interfered with over the course of the evening and whenever it is that the three of you are up and ready you can proceed to your first destination i think gerard would wake everybody up at 6 a.m bright and early to get on the road okay <laughs> so, sun's getting up let's go yeah oh, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. we uh, we uh, get ready and we get out of here yep yep let's do it thanks for the extra hour i guess you're usually a little bit snappier <laughs> I'm just fucking with you. I'm so tired, man. So there is highly questionable coffee 
prepared along with like stale bagels and those little butter and jam packets which is about all there is in terms of the continental food breakfast for the, yeah the continental breakfast yep. to to be quite charitable of course you do have non-perishable food of your own not that it's probably particularly gourmet itself but the three of you sort of one of you ready to go the other two managed to crowbar their eyelids open and get going and before terribly long it's a bit of a long drive because some of the roads are quite washed out gravelly gotta go a little slower uh but you make it to the fabled gravity hill the only one in this state they're several of these dotted all over this hemisphere whether that's just a topographical curiosity or part of something huge and sinister who's to say but you get to the point where you were told to go and you're not sure exactly what they're looking for but you need to take scientific readings and eldritch readings of the area to see if there's anything of interest of note going on in the area there's certainly visually speaking nothing strange about it you're just parked on a hill on a road the surrounding woods are sort of at that half bare half fall colors stage and the leaves that have fallen to the ground are crusted in frost it's pretty chilly but you do know that this time of year it will warm up quickly and the leaves will turn to mush before too long Mm -hmm. so i reckon we like open up the back of the van and start pulling out equipment yeah yes so uh, let's uh let's do that as we're back there since i'm manning the uh scientific equipment and i know that Christian is manning the occult equipment. I kind of nudge Christian in the side and whisper, "Do you want to you want to give Ami boy a little bit of a, a little bit of a tough time right now?" Good. Uh, this is a good ribbing is for good for morale, yeah. Is this what they say? Yeah. I just figure if we take our stuff and we just split off in directly opposite directions, give him a little bit of a moment to to wonder where, you know, who he's got to follow, who's got to cover, and they just sort of come back. Just like a diamond shape, just head out and fan back in, just to just to mess with him a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, might give him the case of the sweats, you know, switzing yeah. sweats. Yeah. Oh my god. Exactly. You guys are, you guys are such trolls. All right. <laughs> he woke me up at six, man. <laughs> Fair so, with at least the portable portion of the equipment. In hand, Gerard, you note that Christian and Delson seem to, at about the same time, just take off at a brisk but not hurried clip in opposite directions to the fallow field on one side and decline towards a tree line on the other side of the road. It should be noted Christian is making a, an obscene show of it, waving about uh, whatever tuning forks or whatever he has. So you're really doing the ghost hunting show yeah. thing yeah, yeah, where yeah, they yeah. just they just wave that stuff around. Because yeah, like... he wants to sell this bit, you know? <laughs> Gerard runs right over to Christian. Uh, sir, what are your orders for me, sir? Yeah, you you uh you will watch out for us. We are checking the readings. I've got to go. <laughs> he just uh he just keeps going. As you guys do this, I need from Delson a lab use check with focus, and from Christian a hybrid check between investigation and knowledge occult, also with focus. So Christian. Your knowledge, Eldritch, and investigation skills are both at five, so the hybrid check doesn't do anything to you. You have Mm -hmm. a rank five. Okay. When you do a check that's hybrid between multiple skills, you take the lower rank of the two skills that you have. Okay. uh, Even Mm -hmm. if that is zero. But in this case, you have max rank on both. Look at you. And you will be adding your focus to this check. All right. And mine was just a straight lab use, yeah? Yep. So you have rank three in the skill, and I believe three focus. Indeed I do. So I got a two on the dice. Um, nice. So you're starting uh, at five. Yeah. I'd like to spend one to put that to a six just for funsies. If you wish, you can actually spend more than that because at rank five in a skill, you have three temporary strain for use in that skill that you can generate once per scene. So unless you foresee doing another check with oh, whichever burn skill. All three. Burn all three. You can get an eight Perfect. on this thing, That's which nice. is monstrous. Okay. Uh, we will get to what that means in a moment. Quinn, mm-hmm. are you modifying your result with strain? I will be. I rolled flat on the dice. Is 
uh, third rank the one where you open up to uh, re-roll? Yeah, you have a once per scene re-roll, and if it is worse, you don't have to take it. Uh, you may right, also so spend up to three mental strain to boost as well. All right, let's see how this once per scene re-roll goes. Ah, that's a minus one, so... You don't want uh, that. <laughs> no, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to pump my, my three mental strain uh, right into that so that I can take it from uh, three base, because I rolled a zero, and jump it up to six just to be safe. Okay, so both of you have very strong results. It's because of all the waving. Yes, yes. The, it's like it's like Mario Kart. The yep. more you emote, the better you do. Christian, your readings are quite interesting. There is a sort of almost ubiquitous signature of highly active unnatural energy, but it's very, very faded. What you can deduce from the readings that you're taking and the intuitions that you're having with sort of your own physical attenuation to unnatural energies and planes through your occult disciplines, this place used to be insanely dangerous and insanely energetic in a magical sense. Some big stuff went down here a long time ago, but it is cooling down. It's kind of like uh, like almost a Chernobyl situation where it's been a very, very long time since the event, but the effects are still lingering as like they slowly, thing, slowly yeah. burn off. Nothing has happened here, unnaturally speaking, recently, but my god, whatever was here before was a big deal in an occult sense very foreign very unnatural it's not something related to the kinds of occult disciplines that you exercise or that you have read about this is a profoundly alien place hmm. delson with a six you do see that the magnetic field here is just all kinds of crazy mm -hmm. there's definitely some sort of soil composition at the very least thing going on that's playing havoc with a lot of your ability to read stuff but the really interesting thing that you find is that electromagnetic radiation in the area you see actively bending from both above and below into radio signals this place has a ton of radio waves in it and with the readings that you're taking you can hypothesize that sub radio frequencies as well as frequencies above radio waves are through some manner that you don't understand being converted into radio waves in this locality. Okay, so yeah, the the electromagnetic spectrum is sort of being compressed in some way to bring it into the radio channel. Yes, it is as though the radio segment of the electromagnetic spectrum is exerting almost a pull, like a gravity well, mm -hmm. on other types of radiation. With my readings, Rob, mm -hmm. Christian's, um, you know, curiosity would be piqued. He would have two thoughts. One, would using powers, or, or rather using Eldritch, you know, abilities, generate more power to the to the area and he would also like to see what's going on on the other side of the veil sure uh yes you do have the ability impossible geometries which yes. along with making you very hard to spot if you're being sneaky using it allows you to essentially go out of phase with our reality and more directly interface with unnatural forces that are at work in the area. So you will be exposing yourself more fully to whatever's going on here, but you may also have the ability to gain additional insights and information about what's happening. So if you want to go ahead and pay the cost for that, yes, this is a one shot. So the humanity cost, we're not really going to have to worry about. We'll go ahead and track it, but it's not something that is likely to have an impact over the short term of one adventure. That is more of a campaign level thing mm -hmm. to track impossible geometries costs one humanity and one sanity sadly okay. so for the remainder of the scene you have plus two to all stealth rolls you have a stealth re-roll that can be used during the scene but for this more importantly the world around you becomes almost a washed out jittering grayscale watercolor version of itself and only your own body looks normal 
at this point, but in the air, you see faint traces of color. Uh, The heat haze after images of the passage of magical forces and entities through the area. Mm -hmm. To interpret the almost forensic reconstruction of this unnatural information, I would like you to make a knowledge eldritch check with perception. I have uh, five in knowledge eldritch and perception is a three. So you're again on three plus dice, and you have all the different skill features. I will take this moment to mention that you can always spend one strain of the pertinent type to boost a check by one after the fact, but having higher ranks in the skill both raises the threshold of how much strain you can spend with a maximum of three, and opens up things like the reroll that Quinn used, or temporary strain, or the ability to just substitute your die roll with a plus one or plus two after the fact when you're not in combat. Right, right, right. So I got a plus one on the dice, which would put me at a four, Mm -hmm. and I could spend two strain to boost that to a six. If you want to rule that you used the uh, temporary strain from investigation (laughs) on the previous check, you actually could still have your three temporary strain from uh, Eldritch as well. Sure, then we'll do that. at rank five for both of those. This is the mission, to find stuff out, so, uh, um, you know, he's going... Seven. Yep. Again, just a huge result. So this is a very interesting area. The beginnings of all this occult disturbance are too distant for you to fully understand. But in the subsequent time, after whatever huge event made this place so active, there has been one sort of force that has returned from away from this place to this place over and over again for clearly decades and has exerted some sort of influence here time and time and time again and what it appears to have done is it is trying to calm these energies down something non-human has essentially been keeping track of this area and trying to make it less active over time through the exertion of some kind of unnatural influence so it's like someone trying to calm down a geyser yeah or to return to the chernobyl metaphor just adding a bunch of medium to absorb some of the radioactivity over and over and over again okay it's clear that there is an intention behind it some sort of thing with agency has in a long-term way been trying to make this place more normal than it is this is fascinating and he'll just kind of uh I don't know if he's going to be making notes now, but he's definitely, uh, you know, kind of indexing all this all this data in his head for either um, later use or take notes or record a voice recording yeah. or something like that. Well, because when you go into the paradimensional space, your body cam is not going to be of any use. So then he would definitely pull out his, uh, his his notebook and then start jotting things down just so he could make a better report later on as he's wandering around. So when you have taken all these readings, you phase back into normal space. As always, it's a little bit vertigo-inducing. Christian, I assume, is used to it, but Gerard, you're not used to it yet. He just sort of grayed out and vanished and then you know, several yards away, perhaps a few dozen yards away from where he disappeared. A minute later, he pops back into existence, looking quite excited. Scribbling. Yeah, 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 yeah. Draws, this place is wonderful. So many fascinating things happening here. What have you seen? <laughs> Just watching you two. Yeah? And Where's yeah. You're doing what? <laughs> Where's Delson? Delson! I'm down here! <laughs> If you're watching Delson from up here, I cannot see him. Do you have X-ray vision? Running back and forth while you disappeared. Ah, uh, yes. That would explain the sweat I'm seeing on your brow. Hmm. I love how this guy's, like, thing now, the running thing with him, is that he's a very sweaty man. <laughs> yes. Uh, what, what did you find? I found some very curious things. Someone, something is dampening down the power that emanates from this area. It's fascinating. Is that good or bad? Uh, it's just it. <laughs> good, what? bad is not really... It's like saying is a lion good or bad? Is a squirrel good or bad? Say it is... Uh, it is just a squirrel. It is just a lion. You know? You know what I mean? 
Yes, but a lion in Africa is normal. A lion in my backyard is not. Yeah, well, that is a different thing. Maybe this thing lives here and we just do not see it. I did not see it when I was over there. So maybe Delson has different data from the science. We should check. And he's just going to start walking towards where he heard Delson. Gerard falls right in a step and follows him. So Delson, with the knowledge of this weird electromagnetic phenomenon, like what's your next step in terms of trying to like follow this line of uh, information? Well, do we have any equipment that is like attuned to specifically to the radio spectrum like you probably have like some pretty advanced spectrometric equipment that you can sort of fine-tune in and see if you can get anything that looks patterned or significant yeah so uh i imagine probably what this looks like is as gerard and christian sort of come down the hill i believe that delson's sort of in the the flat down below Mm mm-hmm they're actually sat with this spectrometer like in their lap. So they're sitting cross-legged on the ground and they are sort of, they have this thing turned up toward them and they are just slowly tweaking a dial, like trying to narrow in on exactly the frequency. And once they have that frequency nailed down, the intent is to try to see if they can actually like listen in to the, the frequency that's being boosted. Sure. And it is when... Christian and Gerard make it over to where Delson is working. Uh, perhaps, Delson, you are probably so focused on what you're doing, listening very carefully, that you may not even notice them coming up to you. But it is right when the two of you reunite with Delson that they hit the frequency that they are looking for. And out of the spectrometer comes a intelligible, somewhat androgynous, vaguely human voice. Don't listen to them. All they want is a clear path. They hear their children's cries and are desperate to go to them. Don't listen to them. They'll draw you in, and this will all happen again. And about three seconds later, the message repeats itself. And in the aftermath of the shock, I suppose, of this, Delson, you are able to see that the repetition is backed up by what's going on electromagnetically somehow this area is broadcasting a repeated message of warning so i'm gonna be sitting there soaking this in um and i take a i take a second and i pull out a notebook and i actually transcribe the message in its entirety sure have gerard and christian made themselves visible to me like what are they doing because i'm sitting there completely zoned out i think uh once Christian gets his eyes on you. He's probably going to, you know, make some sort of motion towards you. But once he sees that you're not responding, he'll be like, ah, yeah, Delison, we have, we have come. Have you found something? Oh, Jesus fucking Christ, man. Oh, oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Are there someone on a secret radio station telling everybody not to listen to quote unquote them? Uh, something about children's cries? Um... Uh, something repeating itself. Uh, so you know, it sounds like, uh, like, like something, someone, some them, is warning us, everyone, to to stay away. Yeah. So you hear? So that's you hear the pretty... voice. I see what they are doing. Uh, oh, okay. What are they doing? Yeah, what are they doing? Yeah. They are. They they are dampening the area. From the uh, the magics that are generated from this region, that is interesting. That I hear nothing, but you hear something, and I see something, and you see nothing. Hmm. And he'll start writing mm-hmm. things down again. The consensus that you are sort of inexorably led to reach from this data is that something not in a relatable way human, possessed of agency and intention is engaged in a long-term project of attempting to essentially diffuse this area of some kind of unnatural phenomenon that's been ongoing and doesn't wish for human beings, perhaps, if that is truly you for whom this message was meant, to, by intent or by accident, set them back in, mm-hmm. in this way, in this work. Yeah. So, if I know anything about persuading people to do things that might be unwise 
and I reckon I do, this could be a classic maneuver. This this might not be a warning, this might be an enticement. You know, with all that stuff that happened at the manor over there, who knows, maybe they're trying to, to bait us into, into whatever happened over there starting over again. They could be warning us, and so we might find ourselves caught up in it all over again. Uh, I, I, I don't know, it sounds... Sounds like a sticky situation to me, is what I'm saying. So the thing you're seeing is the voice you're hearing. Could be. Or is the voice warning us against the thing you're seeing? Yeah. Sarad, I am seeing not a thing, but more just um, like a haze of something that is happening. Like on a hot day and you look at the pavement and it is waving in the air like that, but different yeah so it's not here no no it's it's on the other side so it can't be the voice no no i think they are connected okay where should we start or where should we go from here so if i remember our mission correctly we were simply asked to take these readings to um ecure say the compound k and then report back and then move on from there so i don't know how um extracurricular investigation is going to fit into the confines of those orders. But if no one's going to, like, be a knack or anything... And I pretty dramatically jab my thumb toward Gerard while looking at Christian. I don't mind, you know, skipping out of school for a minute. Oh, and then I look down to my body cam and I actually sort of like grab the fabric of it to turn it up so it's like looking at my face just kidding <laughs> it's a <laughs> that joke was, guys that was satire <laughs> yeah this is all research if you think we need to delve deeper I agree with that because my findings are inconclusive who is this why is this we need to delve deeper perhaps in this location. Or the lab may have more information on what you're reading. And yeah, it is it is possible that there may be reports or gathered materials there that may be relevant. The stuff that you were seeing, Christian, on the other side stretches back for decades. Mm-hmm. So it would have been going on at the time that the research facility was active as well. Okay, so then I would be able to go to the research facility and maybe find something that would earmark the same way that that is without having to actually pop back and forth constantly. If they were on to it, yeah. Like if they had cottoned on to what was going on the way that you did, mm-hmm. they may have had access to higher end equipment and a longer term observation as well. Yeah. Or they might not have any idea that's not something that you'll be able to know until you see what the facility was actually doing, like what kind of stuff they had set up and what was being done there. Gotcha. I think that if uh, we have plenty of time, yeah, it's like what, uh, nine o'clock, 10 o'clock, it's still very early. Perhaps we check the research station, tabulate some data against each other, and then if we come back here... We can do some more exploring. Yeah, yeah. No, I think I think that's a good idea. But before we have to, to truck this stuff any further, I have um a little bit of an idea. So if you give me, like, eight minutes, I just wanted to, to tweak with something real quick. Yeah. And I basically pull out a, a small, like, microphone. Uh, I don't know if there's, like, any radio equipment that we actually have on hand for this. There are things that depending on your lab use check this one probably with hybrid between focus and dexterity for you because you're going to have to actually make modifications to the equipment like mm-hmm. field modifications but with a little bit of macgyvering you ought to be able to do what you want to do but i don't think you've quite said exactly what you're doing so yeah basically delson immediately gets to work on this without explicitly saying what they're doing to Gerard or Christian, but they're trying to kitbash a radio to send a message basically back on the frequency to see if there's any bounce back. Oh, to see if whatever set this warning message up, it might be monitoring. Yeah, exactly. Listening for a response. Okay. That's going to be a lab use check, but hybrid on the attribute side between focus and dexterity, because you need to know how 
the stuff works, but there's also some real fine adjustments that you have to make physically. It would be possible to put it together wrong or break it. All right. Dexterity is not their strong suit. And, you know, I've played this game a few times, but I do always forget a couple of things about the way that the skill scaling works. And, you know, for those of the people who are listening who might be interested, perhaps in looking at some sort of Kickstarter that's ongoing <laughs> right now, I was curious, is that reroll ability that I have a once-per-scene thing? It is a once-per-scene thing, yes. All right. So I have the ability to spend up to three strain on this. And you could spend physical and or mental, because this is hybrid between a mental attribute and a physical attribute. Let's see how this goes. Oh, I'll tell you, that's a that's not hot. That's not great. That's a minus one, and I have a dexterity of two, so that's a one base. Mm-hmm. I currently have eight physical and eight mental strain, yeah. so I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to spend one of my... So can I split between the pools? You or can do split, I, yes. Okay. So I'm going to drop down to seven mental strain and to six physical strain to bring me up to uh, four. Yeah, with three strain spent, you can get a respectable result, uh, even though things were a little dicey for a minute there. You have a couple of close calls with, uh, I guess, some soldering that nearly goes wrong. Like, you do come quite close to breaking some equipment, but you manage to get it all under control. And you think, after perhaps a little longer than the eight minutes that you told uh, your compatriots you'd be taking, that you have the ability to send out a brief voice message on a similar frequency that is going on with the other thing in case anyone's listening. Mm-hmm. So I I take this this microphone and I flip it on and I say, is this to do with the mana? We've no intention of harming you. Click. The repeated message keeps coming back, but it's different now. It is seemingly a mixture of the previous message and the sounds that you made... Mm-hmm. your own voice, the phonemes that you put into this frequency, rearranged and mixed together and smeared both the ambiguous voice and your own. And it's mostly unintelligible, but you hear a faint echoing behind it. And you let the message repeat a couple times and listen very closely. And the secondary echo, when you're able to more isolate it, is saying things like your full name, your date of birth, the name of your childhood pet, what you ate for breakfast on your seventh birthday. I would like you to roll a horror check. Yeah, that sounds pretty horrific. So for you, in Orpheus, there are two different skills that can insulate you from the effects of horror. Uh, One is discipline, which is sort of just muscling through, compartmentalizing, and focusing on getting things done, mm-hmm. which has certain useful features to it that the other one, stability, which is just simply handling it, doesn't have, but it's also a bit more costly. Stability okay. is more based on being able to healthily weather traumatic things and be strong through them and process them and accept them. Whereas, again, discipline is more compartmentalization and bottling your emotions, which does have some long-term negative effects, yeah. but it's quite useful in combat mm-hmm. in a way that stability is not. I believe, as a researcher-type character, you do have discipline, right? Yes, I do. I have four ranks in discipline. Okay, so that will be a discipline check using focus. Yeah, that's a minus one. So my options here, since I have a four, are spent up to that uh, that three strain. And then I have the re-roll, and with the fourth rank, I can once per scene just turn a roll into a plus one. Yeah, right? you can replace your die roll with a plus one once per scene at rank four, if you wish. Okay, I'm, I'm going to see how this re-roll goes and sort of make okay. an informed decision after that. Sort of making the judgment that you don't expect to have multiple more horror checks in this scene. Or at exactly. least you hope. Yeah, I certainly hope so. That's flat on the dice. And I, I don't want to spend this strain of mine too willy-nilly. Or when I really need it, I'm going <laughs> to... And that, my friend, 
is one of the main design things in Orpheus. You have these resources that help you get both stronger and more consistent results, but they dwindle over time and things get more and more desperate as time goes on. Yeah, I gotta say, that's something that every time I've played the game, like, the more I play it, the more I, I want to stop, like, pumping into my strain with all my first rolls, but it's still really tempting because you can you can make a lot of headway. Can I flip that then still to a plus one? Yeah, all yeah, right, you so can do that. I'm going to spend one strain and I'm going to take a plus one, so that's going to be a five. Okay, uh, you do pass the check, so you're going to take three sanity damage, which Alrighty. would have been worse for you because... This was a discipline check. You'll be soaking it with mental strain if you want to soak it. And because you have a focus of three, that gives you an acuity bonus of one, which means that you can prevent two sanity damage per expended strain in this way. Yeah, so three would fill up my whole track, so I am going to spend one. So You're going to spend one to take it down to one sanity damage, which is not going to take you to a wound penalty sanity-wise yet. yeah. Exactly. So I've still got a pretty healthy pool of spiritual strain, but both my physical and mental strain pools are starting to look pretty thin. And by the way, depending on how many more horror checks you take in this adventure, it's worthy of note that even though you don't have the stability skill, you could just roll it at rank zero. You could just have your three willpower and the ability to spend up to one spiritual strain to boost and spend out of a larger pool to soak up the damage. Uh, if the time should come that you want to do that. Yeah, definitely. Orpheus is a bit of a crunchy system. It's a resource management game uh, more than anything else. And once you figure out that economy, you can start to keep yourself a little safer. So I, I sort of shake this off and I look back at Christian and Gerard and I just sort of put my headphones down, say, that was a bad idea. Let's just get moving. What, what happened? Uh, it seems to have... Uh, so, like, are you are you familiar with? Um, did you listen to music? Yes. Um, you know, you do, do you know vaporwave? No, I'm sorry, I don't. <laughs> uh, well, they did the kind of things to my voice in that radio that they would do to things that maybe Jerry Seinfeld had said in a vaporwave song. But also, there was a lot of personal information about me in there. So, um, you know, sometimes you look into the abyss, and it's Jerry Seinfeld, but with <laughs> demon teeth staring back at you, telling you that you ate Weetabix on the morning of your seventh birthday, and it's probably best that you just not talk about it anymore, so I recommend we get going. Yeah. Jerry Seinfeld, he is uh, a nice guy? Uh, depends on who you ask. Okay. He is with the... Oh my god. He is with the company, or no? No, no, he's a he's a man in the entertainment industry. Ah, yeah, yeah. I do not follow this. B-movie? Do you know B-movie? No... I have not seen this one. Okay, I, I, I don't have time to oh. get you all of you up to speed on Vaporwave and B-Movie. Let's just go. B-Movie, but each time that the word B is said, a personal detail of your life is read to you by a disembodied inhuman voice. Yeah, mm-hmm. that sounds horrifying. Mm-hmm. How does it know this stuff? Yeah, I don't... I don't know that, man. I don't know that at all. Is it is it spying on just you, or is it all of us? It was only talking about me. But maybe that's because I was the one who spoke into the microphone. This is good data. So don't speak into the microphone. It'll probably pick up information about you. At which point I actually just go ahead and I step on the damn thing. Okay. (laughs) As soon as you move your foot off it, Gerard also steps on it. I assume that this is the kind of thing that, though you've been a bit briefed about, you're still not really used to. As both of their heads come back up, Christian is just standing there with a smile, taking notes. This is good data. I'm, I'm glad you're happy. Shall we go? Yeah, we go. Yeah, yeah. I've been pushing on that one for a couple minutes now, I think. So the three of you face quite a hike. You uh, pack up. You might have some sort of almost sled set up, like a cross-country sled type situation for the heavier scientific equipment. And you've got frame backpacks and stuff like that because you're going to be bringing all kinds of like everything you need to eat and drink all the equipment that you might want to use, etc. Because the roads don't get closer to the place that you're going than this. You just have to go off into the woods. And you essentially just take headings through GPS, which 
while a compass would not be worth shit here, you can at least sort of see, based on terrain features and topographical information, where you're supposed to be going in general. And the three of you hoof it out into the woods. It's a long slog. Sometimes it's quite hard to move the equipment where it needs to go. But eventually, you make your way deep into these largely untouched and undeveloped woods, and you catch sight of a very non-aesthetically pleasing cinder block building that looks like something between a rest stop bathroom and a jail, just squatting in a small clearing in these trees. And you have, in fact, arrived at the research station. There are satellites and aerials above it, clearly some of them rather tilted off-kilter, probably not working anymore. Some utility buildings outside, little small installations, and the main building itself. 